Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Thanks to everyone who supports Daily Tech News Show directly. To find out more and join them because it helps, head to dailytechnewsshow.com slash support. This is the Daily Tech News for Thursday, August 30th, 2018 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt. And from Studio Feline, I'm Sarah Lane. Joining us from CNET, it's great to have Aaron Carson back on the show. How's it going, Aaron? It's going well. We are going to talk succulents. <laughs> and petrified wood. And and more. Uh, ginseng. Uh, this is all in Aaron's uh, feature story she did for CNET uh, about ways that national parks are using technology to stop bad behavior, kind of, right? Indeed, yeah. Seems like uh, national parks have a little bit of a problem on their hands that they're trying to address through tech. And not all of them have solutions in tech. So I don't know, maybe the combined audience brain power can can help out. Uh, Let's start with a few tech things you should know. Google's Titan security key is now for sale in the Google Store to the general public with a full kit including a USB key, Bluetooth key, and various connectors available for $50 and shipping immediately. Google Cloud customers have had Titan availability since last month, and Titan keys use the FIDO standard as w- uh, and work as a second factor for services like Facebook and Dropbox and GitHub, and of course, Google account login. How convenient that they work on Google. Apple announced an event for September 12th at the Steve Jobs Theater in Cupertino. What could it be? Uh, Media invites include the tagline, Gather Round, with a coppery or flaming-looking circle on it. I think it means the return of the home button. Uh, Anyway, uh, what's probably actually going to happen are three new flagship iPhones, a redesigned Apple Watch, maybe some Mac and iPad updates. It's always possible. Uh, More information on Apple's wireless charging mat. The air power would be uh, welcomed. Whether they'll do it or not, we'll have to see on September 12th. A new circular phone. (laughs) That's what it is. (laughs) Spread the word, everybody. (laughs) See how far that goes. 
Sony unveiled the new Xperia XZ3 with a 6 inch 2880 by 1440 OLED display and an 18 by 9 aspect ratio. Has a 3330 milliamp battery. It's a little bit bigger than the XZ2. A fingerprint reader on the back and will ship with Android 9 Pie. Inside is a Snapdragon 845 processor, 4 gigs of RAM, 64 gigs of storage, and a little AI inside as well. There's a new side sense function. So if you tap the side of the phone, it'll bring up a menu filled with apps that the phone thinks you're probably looking for based on what you were already doing. The Xperia XE3 goes on sale in October for $900. And Lenovo announced a slew of stuff at IFA, a new Chromebook, new Windows laptops, home device, smart home devices. Uh, among them was the Yogabook C930. Whereas the Yogabook A12 two years ago put a touchscreen where the keyboard should be, the Yogabook C930 swaps out the keyboard for an e-ink screen, which you can then use as a keyboard, a notepad, or an e-reader. C930 will be available in October, starting at $1,000. Everyone who's interested in that, email us, feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com. Very curious. You laugh, Tom. I do, and I want to stop laughing. So stop my <laughs> laughing. Feedback at Daily Tech News. All right, let's talk a little bit more about Apple. This is an actual confirmed story that Apple says did happen. Yeah, true story. Apple confirmed it did acquire Aconia Holographics. That's a startup based in Colorado that makes lenses for augmented reality glasses. Aconia was founded in 2012 and originally focused on holographic data storage, then pivoted to focus more on AR displays. Aconia has a portfolio of more than 200 patents related to holographic systems and materials. That's according to its website, which probably did not hurt the deal for Apple either. Yeah, it looks like uh, we're talking about a company that makes some essential parts for augmented reality glasses. So, Aaron, I'm I'm guessing everybody's going to jump to the conclusion Apple's getting closer to putting out some augmented reality glasses. You know, it feels like every so often we get one more breadcrumb along this path that's like maybe leading us up to something that... Apple is doing for AR and, you know, every so often people turn up like a patent that's recently surfaced or I was, I was thinking earlier about how I think it was in January, 2017, there was the report that Apple was working with Zeiss on glasses. Right. And so it's a uh, little clues along the way. Is it, is it possible it's just us uh, making the mistake of the, the platonic story about the elephant where we're like, oh, it's glasses. It must be augmented reality. Oh, it's Zeiss sunglasses. And it turns out like it's a motorcycle helmet or something entirely different that we hadn't expected. Hey, humans and confirmation bias. I mm. think that's one of the, the strongest <laughs> relationships that exists out there. It would be like Apple, though, to jump into this market right now because it is at the point where it exists. There are some products you can buy. You can even get a Magic Leap if you're in the right city and a developer and want to spend a couple thousand dollars. Uh, and that's that's the beginning of the window in which Apple will jump in on a product line and say, but we figured out how to do it better. If they're just acquiring something like Aconia, feels like it's probably a year or two off from us actually seeing a product, if we see one. You know? Uh, well, let's talk about Google. The Google Assistant now can understand two languages at once using Google's language identification model, LangID, in the Google Home app, the Assistant on your phone, and Google itself. Pretty much any platform Google Assistant is available in. Google announced the upcoming feature at I.O. earlier this year. Bilingual language pairings can be made 
Uh, mix and match from the following languages, English, German, French, Spanish, Italian, and Japanese, with more languages coming in the future. Google also says it's working on trilingual support, because that's what Patrick Beja's family is going to need, because he speaks French, <laughs> his wife speaks Swedish, and they both speak English and Japanese. They're going to need quadrilingual, and, and Google. Probably Finnish as well, right? Uh, they might have to being in Finland, but they, they speak a lot of Swedish in Finland too. But yeah, it would make sense, right? Um, those in Germany, France, or the UK can use the bilingual assistant on a Google Home Max, which goes on sale in those countries today. Very cool. Um, I, you know, I'm not really a bilingual person. I'd love to think that I am, but I'm not really. However, if you've, if you've got the assistant and you're used to, um, uh, you know, calling up information or, 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 or getting responses from it. And yeah, you're in a bilingual household or for whatever reason are interested in getting results in two different languages. Really interesting, especially because I mean, English, German, French, Spanish, Italian, Japanese, that's a whole, you know, that, that is, that's actually, uh, that's, it's very complex to go from English to Japanese, for example. I wonder if it is more complex for the AI to Maybe train not. between yeah. two Romance languages, like French and Spanish, for instance, or Spanish and Italian, than it is to go to Japanese. It's certainly harder for us, right? Um, that's a really interesting question. Like, does that does that ease that we have translate into the AI training? Because the biggest deal here is for the assistant to be able to understand without prompting, oh, she's speaking Spanish now. Uh, mm -hmm. so that, you know, if your abuela is, walks up to the assistant and wants it to start playing her playlist, she can speak in Spanish, uh, while the kids maybe are just going to use English, uh, on it. Uh, and, and the assistant has to know on the fly, which is quite a lot of processing power. It's fascinating. And it's, it's nice to see this finally happening. I mean, I grew up in a household with English and Spanish, and I think one of the first things that my mother, who is from South America, asked me when my parents got a voice assistant and was like, can I talk to this thing in Spanish? And I was like, no, not yet. <laughs> so, but, you know, I mean, it's I think it's a reality of the modern age. Um, for Spanish speakers alone, there's something like 437 million people in the world who speak Spanish. And that actually edges out English. So it's a step in the right direction. Yeah. And, and we're not, you know, don't forget the Google Assistant could already do Spanish, but then it wouldn't be able to do English if it was set to Spanish. You'd have to switch it back and forth. So the big mm -hmm. the big leap here is not having to decide, oh, right, the Assistant is set to English. I have to speak it to it in English. Um, when, I, when I think I'll be really impressed, this is impressive, don't get me wrong, but when you can finish a sentence with English and Spanish words at the same time. Oh, yeah. We right? throw it in, right. And Google will be like, I know what you're saying. Yeah. I get it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I get your Spanglish or whatever it might be. Or your Japanglish. <laughs> Japanglish is probably a thing. Uh, uh, Twitter confirmed it recently tested a feature that suggests accounts you might want to unfollow rather than follow in a statement a twitter rep told slate yes we know that people want a relevant twitter timeline one way to do this is to try unfollowing people that they don't engage with regularly we ran an incredibly limited test to surface accounts that people were not engaging with to check if they'd like to unfollow them the company says the test has now concluded and did not say whether or not it would become a regular feature 
And, you know, Slay wrote this up and, and asked Twitter for comment because some users were noticing this. I, I get the impulse and I think it's a really good one because my follow list has pretty much just risen. I will occasionally unfollow people for this or that reason, but I don't make a point of it. So I've got a lot of accounts in there that don't tweet anymore or when they do, I'm surprised. I'm like, oh, do I follow that person? I didn't realize that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What was interesting about the screenshots that Slate put up for this was they cast it as control what's happening. You don't need to follow everyone to know what's happening. Make sure you're only following the people that make Twitter great for you and then suggest some people that you might want to unfollow and that feels insulting. <laughs> like, and these are the people that suck. So please unfollow them. Right. Control what's happening in your timeline. These are, you know, bad actors. Yeah. And, and Slate made a note of that as well in their article about this. They had a few um, uh, um, examples of, of people saying, what is this? Control what's happening here does sort of sound like control. Yeah. What? You're, you're, what? What might be a, you know, a, 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 oh, we lost you. We lost Sarah there. Uh, but I, I, I think I know where you're going, which was, you know, control what what's happening. Uh, sounds like you're you're out of control, and you need to seize control back instead of just being something where you are suggested. Hey, the, this this is just maybe not an account. Like I would, I would think a better way to suggest it might be. Still interested? Here are some accounts you follow that you don't engage with very often. You know, double check. This reminded me a little bit of when Jimmy Kimmel tells people to unfriend people you know, <laughs> on Facebook. Um, but yeah, I was I was interested in how they might determine um, you know interactions because I was thinking there's a lot of accounts that, for example, I follow. This is a completely passive thing, like news organizations or oh, yeah. celebrities or. You know, folks like that, like I'm not tweeting back and forth with, you know, Washington Post. <laughs> um, so I'll be curious to see how that works. I guess if you click through, that's an interaction. But there's plenty of those accounts where I never click because it's just like a breaking news alert sort of situation. Right. Yeah. Or, or thoughts of dog, you know, right. like one of those kind of funny accounts. So. ZTE reported its worst ever first half net loss of 7.8 billion yuan after a U.S. supplier ban forced it to shut down for three months earlier this year. ZTE says it expects to return to profitability of 24.2 million yuan in Q3, but that still means it's going to have a pretty big loss for the first nine months of the year. ZTE's new executives, remember they had to replace the executives to get rid of the ban, say that production is back in line with July and August of last year, so they're back up to speed. Meanwhile, at IFA, ZTE did introduce a new flagship, the 6.21-inch AMOLED Axon 9 Pro with vertically aligned dual rear-facing cameras, a front notch, some small bottom bezels, a 4,000 milliamp hour battery, and USB-C, among a bunch of other features. The interesting thing is the last Axon was the foldable one, and everybody thought, oh, we're going to keep seeing these innovative form factors. This Axon looks like the Axon 7 except upgraded for the current year. So I wonder if that shutdown put the brakes on some of these more innovative designs. Anyway, the Axon 9 Pro goes on sale in Europe in September for 649 euros. So this is uh, this is something that is is going to be watched because what's happening with ZTE is important not just for 
what's going on with with the phone industry. <laughs> what's been going on in this weird world of ours? Oh, I, we, I kept going for the oh, audio, so don't worry about it. Uh, we're 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 back on video too. Uh, okay. I was just saying that ZTE is what's going on with ZTE is not just important for the phone world; it's also important for what what's going on outside of the phone world as well. Like what what's happening in in China uh, is is on a bigger stage than just the phone the phone world. I don't expect to see ZTE announcing any U.S. availability anytime soon. Uh, and, and Aaron, I know you're not following this super closely, but you know this. Are are you surprised to see ZTE bounce back from a three month shutdown? I I think that's what's most interesting to me is you would think if someone told you this ahead of time that that company would be gone, they would be done, and here they are announcing a new product and profitability. Yeah, I mean, I'll be curious to see what, you know, uh, folks have to extrapolate about this. And also, you know, ZTE was in the news uh, because of the, the, the lifting of the ban from President Trump. So, um, yeah, I think a lot of people will probably be keeping an eye on, on ZTE and, and seeing how it does. <laughs> yeah, um, I, 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 again, I, I can't, every time somebody says, well, if this happens, that company's done. Uh, think of ZTE. They got they couldn't get parts from the U.S., had to shut down their manufacturing for three months. And uh, they're, you know, I wouldn't say they're fine, but they're still in existence and still making phones and back to profitability. So uh, when properly structured and and managed, you know, and you have the right staff, I, I guess it's possible. Well, if anyone here is suffering from lack of sleep, boy, have I got a wearable for you. Garmin launched the VivoSmart 4 wearable, which has a blood oxygen monitor or pulse ox, as the company calls it, that reads your oxygen saturation levels at night in order to gauge your sleep quality. It can also estimate light or deep or REM stages of sleep, which then you can view as sleep stats in the Garmin Connect app afterwards. The Viva Smart 4 also monitors energy levels based on your stress, and that is based on your heart rate variability and your sleep quality and your overall activity. It can run for seven days between charges and cost $130. First of all, Garmin, I, they try, try to make it sound like they invented the word pulse ox in their press release. It's, it's, a, common, it's a common term in medical. Uh, we actually, I am familiar with it just recently because we had Chuck Laternos on uh, DTNS Labs, and he talked about having pulse ox readings from a third party. Uh, so, so Garmin, don't, don't pretend you invent words that, that you didn't invent. <laughs> but uh, that said. I love the idea of this, though. Uh, yeah. I the idea that it would say like, dude, you don't have enough energy. Just, just chill. Just, just relax. It's something I probably need someone, if not a device to say to me. The thing that always kind of crosses my mind about that though, is like, I'm usually pretty aware when I sleep poorly. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Well, I mean, <laughs> for example, last night I woke up and I was like, didn't sleep well. But I didn't really know the details of why I didn't sleep. So having those stats, you know, it depends on how good of a or bad of a sleeper you are or how much you feel like stress might be, you know, boosting your heart rate, um, you know, or, or the alternative throughout the day. Even if it doesn't necessarily uh, point to something specific like, oh, you've got Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, 
Partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed, and Haiku is the fastest and lowest cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe tap-to-pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers... Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. This ailment and you can fix it and you're going to sleep better. Having more data on sleep patterns, as, you know, as somebody who's at least speaking for the people who don't sleep that well. <laughs> overnight overall. I love this. Even if I don't know exactly how to fix it, I I love having this kind of data. And I've, you know, I've had smartwatches in the past that attempted to do this, or even a, you know, an iPhone that supposedly was using sonar to, you know, see when I was moving around to get a sense of, you know, when, when my deep sleep versus my run sleep was happening. And yeah, I never really understood if that was all that accurate or not, but it's still really interesting, especially when the ultimate goal is to be as stress-free and as well-rested as possible. Yeah, because the, the key here is, I mean, millions of these trackers have done sleep tracking before. That's not new. It's saying, we're going to conclude that with your heart rate, your activity levels, and figure out like, hey, you're too stressed. You need to rest. I, I absolutely know when I had a bad night's sleep, but I'll still barrel through the day and be like, eh, well, you just got to do it. And if this was able to say like, hey, if you take an hour and just rest right now, it's going to pay off. You you don't have the energy to do what you're doing right now. Don't go for that run. Uh, d- don't lift those boxes or whatever. I mean, I, I imagine if it told me not to do the show, I'd ignore it. But <laughs> right, yeah. Stress be dinged. Hey, folks! If you want to get all the tech headlines each day in about five minutes, be sure to subscribe to DailyTechHeadlines.com. Well, Aaron uh, just published a feature, we mentioned it at the top of the show, that looks at the tech national parks are using to keep visitors and poachers from stealing resources. A lot of interesting stuff in here, Aaron. Where do you want to start? Let's start with the cacti. Yeah, so uh, it's like tagging a dog, but for a cactus. 
Exactly. Yeah. So um, about eight years ago, rangers at Saguaro National Park outside of Tucson had come across this trailer that was packed with saguaro cacti. This has been an ongoing problem for them. Uh, if you haven't seen the saguaro, like the iconic, you know, cowboy cacti and they're prized landscape items and they can go for about $100 a foot. And so it kind of depends, but a, you know, unscrupulous landscaping company can, for example, pocket the money you pay them and just go dig one up for free. Um, so the park has been trying to figure out how to curb that problem. And this is because these, these cactuses are so valuable that I guess ne'er-do-wells can, can make a lot of money selling them to gardeners. But what I got from your story is it relies on the garden shops, on the, on the nurseries to enforce this, to, to do the scanning and then say, well, hold on, where'd you get this? It has a, it has a tracker in it. My, I, I wonder how many that would buy from these people in the first place would be willing to do that. Yeah, you know, I think for, for them, um, part of their messaging is this, this is a deterrent. And the rangers want this idea out there of like, do you want to be the one who digs up a cacti that's been chipped on the off chance or the case that... Um, you know, a nursery does decide to check if this was like a legally obtained cactus. So, um, and the chips are passive. That's the other thing is this is not like a case where you have a map and there's like a dot and you're like, there's like a high speed chase because there's a cactus <laughs> I hanging so up. Wish that were the <laughs> I mean, I want to do that. But... <laughs> so, the Suaro's headed down 70. Let's uh, after it. <laughs> exactly. So this is this is like largely just a deterrent. Like you don't want to take a chance, right? <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah, and I guess the nurseries could get caught too if 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 somebody came in and, and decided to do a spot scan. So the nurseries are going to want to scan to make sure uh, they're getting these things. And I didn't realize just how slowly they grow. It's not like you can pop up these big ones like you see in the Roadrunner cartoons overnight. It takes a lot of time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a 200-year-old cactus can, you know, be five five feet tall. You know, it's kind of impressive. Um, so, and that's kind of the other factor to this is that if someone does steal, um, you know, a large cactus, this is not something that can be readily replaced. Yeah. Uh, another interesting one was the was the petrified wood because that was where a little bit of technology turned out to be a good thing. Turned out that things aren't as bad as we thought, maybe. Yeah. So at, um, at the park, you know, they've had this kind of almost PR problem that people over time have just picked the park clean. And that's anyone from folks who just want a souvenir of this beautiful, colorful, like striated wood to people who want to maybe load up a trunk in their car and sell it. Um, and, and the thing with that is like, well, if you have a park and the idea is there's nothing left in the park, no one's going to go to your park. Yeah. So rangers basically dug up all this archival photography and tried to match the vantage point and the location to just compare how, how much has changed. And they found overall the problem was not as bad as they 
had feared that it might be. Well, and you mentioned in your story, there was a petrified forest or, or a petrified park anyway, in the Black Hills, in the Dakotas, that did have to shut down because everyone took everything worth looking at. So I wonder if that that's what caused the, the story to get confused, maybe. Yeah, because when you have uh, an event like that that has happened, you know, this this park that existed um, had these kind of incredible fern-like fossils of this plant called a cycad. And, and you come across something like that and people start, they take one, they take two for various reasons, they clean out the park. And so it feels like there's an immediate danger because this has happened in our country's history that we basically lost a site because people wouldn't leave it alone because yeah they, they took all oh. the fern fossils uh, yeah. the other thing that was interesting is people sending back the petrified wood doesn't really help like if you if they took a little chip and then felt bad and sent it back which apparently they do the fact that they've now removed it from the location and they don't know where that location is really hurts the archaeology of it Absolutely. And at this point, the park has something that they call a conscience pile. It's big enough that, you know, it's got a name, obviously, but people start to feel guilty. There's also this kind of legend that you might get cursed if you take something from the park. And so they get letters from people apologizing and maybe detailing their kind of, you know, poor luck in the time since. But folks at the park really, they can't pinpoint an exact location of where that came from. And sometimes they get things that they know didn't come from the park at all, like seashells, which is, you know, okay, sure. Uh, <laughs> I really for, felt bad that I, I took this, this hot dog <laughs> from... Just, just take it off my hands. Yeah. You know, um, but that kind of compromises the scientific value of the site. Because if you have something that you don't really know where it came from, you can't study it within the context that it was originally existing in. Now, uh, there's lots of good stuff in this article. I highly recommend folks go read it. Uh, we'll have a link in the show notes. You can find it at CNET.com. For instance, dyeing ginseng roots so that you can scan them under fluorescent lights to see if the ginseng that's being carried around was actually stolen uh, from a place uh, that it shouldn't have been. But the last thing I want to mention is uh, Redwood National Park's burl thieves. That's one where they need some help. They need some technology help because it's very difficult to stop people from from taking these things and they're essential to the growth of the redwoods. Absolutely. And this is the case where, you know, it's uh, it's really easy to think sometimes that tech can be a cure, you know, for anything. But there are obstacles that parks face as far as resources and management and whatnot. And people poach burls because it's it's beautiful wood. And uh, but when they carve out a large chunk of this ancient tree, they're opening it up to pathogens and they're compromising the tree's future ability to be able to like spawn more trees. Um, and when you look at the pictures, it's really heartbreaking. Yeah. And the burl's like a growth kind of on the side and, and, and is valued because I guess it's easy to carve into bowls and stuff. Exactly. Yeah. And they can they can be massive. Um, but when you carve one out, you get this kind of nice, smooth, flat, you know, kind of wood has this beautiful grain on it. But it's it's basically kind of an outgrowth of the tree that didn't quite happen. Mm. And so it just sort of like bulges. Yeah. So. Don't steal burls. And if you have a good idea to help people prevent burl thieves, 
feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com. Yeah, and as somebody who, you know, when I think of poaching, I think of poaching a animal that is endangered, in a, you know, in a, in a national park somewhere very far away from me. It's good to remember that the ecosystem includes lots of uh, flora and fauna. Yeah. And they're all very important to, uh, to, to keep intact. Don't steal. Thanks to everybody who participates in our subreddit. None of you are thieves. Um, and if you are, uh, well, Stop. I don't know. That, yeah. <laughs> That's a story Stop for another thieves. time. Stop being thieves. But what you should do instead is submit stories and vote on others at dailytechnewsshow.reddit.com. Also, we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash dailytechnewsshow. The next time you have the impulse to steal a burl, instead, just email us. And Sarah might read your email on the show, right? <laughs> Correct. Like the email I'm about to read from Ryan. He, he had some thoughts on our conversation with Scott Johnson yesterday on the best smartwatch features. Why are they smartwatches? Why are they great? Ryan says, recently I had a date with a cardiologist through Tinder. Ryan says, ultimately, it didn't work out, but that's beside the point. Ryan asked her how accurate the Apple Watch was for diagnosing heart irregularity, and she said it was around 95% accuracy. She also recommended that people wear them for this very reason. What's funny is that Apple doesn't advertise this fact. It's only through news reports and word of mouth that the feature becomes more apparent. Ryan says, in the professional world, I work as a software developer in the medical device field. From experience, I know there's a whole lot of work that goes into submitting devices to the FDA in order to market a device as a medical device. A lot of documentation that needs to happen for every software release cycle. I can understand why Apple wouldn't want to market the Apple Watch as a medical device. Personally, though... The entire reason I have an Apple Watch is for this reason. Everything else, like notifications, that's just icing. Detecting heart irregularity is an incredible feature, even if it isn't advertised. And it would be great if Google were to take note of this feature and put something similar in their offerings. Hmm. Um, I'm well, fairly yeah. certain there's something like that in Wear OS. Uh, and if anyone knows knows these features well enough to compare them, let us know. But I, I know there is there is similar similar functionality there uh may not be exactly as good as what we're talking about here but thank you ryan for this email yeah thank you ryan and perhaps you'd like the new garmin wearable that we talked about earlier yeah. on the show uh thank you also to aaron carson for being with us aaron so good to see you let folks know where they can keep up with all of your work you can find me at cnet.com and on twitter i am at aaron carson Excellent. Yeah, and uh, people in the chat room are demanding you become a permanent member of DTNS, so I think they like having you on the show. <laughs> very, very kind people. <laughs> uh, don't forget, folks, uh, we, we can do more uh, because you help us. So if, you, if you're willing to help us out, uh, go to patreon.com slash DTNS because even just giving us a dollar uh, really helps the show get better and better. Don't forget, I'm heading out to Greenville, Illinois for a meetup Friday, September 7th at 6 p.m. 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. at the Family Vine Winery on 1349 Red Ball Trail in Greenville, Illinois. We'll have that in the show notes, uh, link to their Facebook page as well. So if you're in the southern Illinois area uh, or can reach it, I'd love to see you Friday, September 7th at 6 p.m. Our email address is feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com. Thanks to everybody who gives us feedback. You make the show better every day. We're also live Monday through Friday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 2030 UTC. And find out more at dailytechnewsshow.com slash live. Back tomorrow with Patrick Norton as our guest. Talk to you then. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. 
Get more at frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, Partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. 